0: George! Joe! Happy New Year! Yeah,
1: Happy New Year, buddy. How's things?
0: Well, I was a little more enthusiastic than you were, so let's try that again. George, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Joe! (laughs) (laughs) So it's Season 2, Episode 1. It's kind of a big deal. It, It is, and since we are doing that whole audio only in a few spots, why don't you go ahead and tell people what they're listening
1: to? Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting about that, even though we've got big news about it tonight that I'm going to let you talk about. But right now, everybody's listening to Romero Pictures Indie Brigade with your host, George C. Romero and Mr. Joe Rigley. Jay- R- Ridge- R- Ridge- Something like
0: that. Like what I said, are you I was going gonna... with tonight? Uh, well, you know, uh, Miss Samantha Wagner... Um, kind of butchered my name the other night, so I, I figured that I, I kind of put that down there, like it is on the website right now. Yeah. So uh, from Sam, I got Rigsby.
1: B. Yeah, yeah. have well, okay. gotten Wrigley on. The gotten
0: Wrigley, yeah. everything but Ridge Lee. I don't know why that's so difficult. I mean, I, I guess it's not as easy as
1: Romero. Yeah, I guess not. It just kind of rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? <laughs> Well, listen, man. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to everybody watching. Happy holidays to everybody. I hope everybody's holiday season was good. Um, We've got a little bit of a sad uh, thing to talk about tonight. A good friend of mine, a good friend of Joe's, and a good friend of the Indy Brigade, Dustin Blankenship, uh, passed away on New Year's Eve um, sort of unexpectedly. Uh, He was a good guy, and he was a phenomenally talented effects guy. Uh, And um, he's... It really kind of shook us and he's he's very much missed and uh it kind of messed us up pretty bad when we heard about it so uh we wanted to kind of just you know dedicate at least tonight's episode to to dustin and and just let everybody know that he's he's always in our thoughts you know he's missed and uh you know our thoughts obviously are are with his family through these times too he was a oh.
0: huge supporter of the indie brigade i mean there's his baby right there with the uh romero pictures indie brigade badge underneath it
1: yeah i know
0: and the, the one movie he was really really proud of yep that he did some effects for child of god with james franco so definitely definitely will be missed it, it was
1: not a good new year's eve no it wasn't i mean it was uh you know i think news literally dropped right around midnight um and uh you know anyway if anybody out there is having a drink tonight please raise a glass for dustin uh in the name of the Indy brigade and um dustin we love you always will
0: absolutely all right now i'm depressed george yeah i know
1: now we've got a sort of um we got to kind of snap back into it. We got to do it, kind of, you know. If nothing else, in honor of Dustin, let's, you know, he he wouldn't want us. I absolutely know for a fact he would not want us sitting around, fucking depressed. So let's. This is true. He'd off. be smoking
0: a cigarette right now, busting our balls.
1: Yeah, so fuck you. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: a couple of quick people on here. We got Don. Happy New Year. Happy we New got Year,
1: Don. Happy New Year, Chuck. Chuck and we got sean happy new year you should be getting your t-shirts soon
0: right on sean with the t-shirts that is a beautiful thing and
1: and just about those t-shirts real quick get your t-shirts get your hoodies get all your merch at romero pictures.com forward slash merch we're going to get a little bit more into the website expansion um after our first guest joe castro uh, and before our next guest after joe mr michael mandeville Uh, We've got some cool stuff to talk about, some cool guests in between. And uh, we appreciate everybody tuning in and paying attention to the Romero Pictures Indie Brigade with your host, George C. Romero and Joe Ridgely. Behind the curtain in a moment.
0: Uh, Special shout out to Gregory Mark, Wheels, great guy, fun guy, Uh, great supporter. Very exciting news
1: coming from him, too, with his uh, First Floor Killer project. I'm very excited that he has asked me to kind of step in and, and help him out with some stuff. And I think it's a really exciting project. So I'm looking forward to that one. Hmm. Now I got an issue. Again? Well, this isn't my issue. You have more issues than National Geographic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, no, the problem was Joe went black for a second. Not me. Joe Castro, his screen went black. So there. he's back. So okay. we're good. I am going to bring up Joe Castro right now. And... Just like that.
2: Joe! Joe! Oh my I, god. can't hear you guys.
0: You can't we, you hear, hear us. For some reason,
2: the audio is completely gone. I don't know if you oh, can hear me, but I can't hear you. Yeah, um, we can hear you. I don't know what happened.
1: Uh, oh no, um, no. Yeah. Yeah. Ladies yeah. And gentlemen in true Romero pictures in uh, decade fashion.
2: I have no idea what's going on here.
1: Um, hmm. Well, I'm assuming so, you're
0: not going to be able to read lips. So. I can't hear you guys at
2: all. Yeah, I know.
1: we have reading while you troubleshoot this. What could I read to yeah. you? I've got some Shakespeare in the other room. Do you? Yeah, I could go get that.
2: Let's see. Let me try uh, putting the uh, headphones in. Maybe that might work.
1: Let's see. Sorry. I'm going to go ahead and read through some of these comments while you're trying to solve... I don't know. Let me try this. Let's uh, this, go. You know. Elena Damewood will say. Community. Can you hear me now uh, at all? I appreciate I that, Elena. Yeah, you. we can
2: hear you. Hey, on. Hold yes, on. Yes, the speaker is on. Yes.
0: Okay.
1: This is where all the cool yes. kids hang out, Ron.
2: Oh God, dang it! What's up, Libby?
1: Can you hear me at all? Yes. Yeah. Oh, there you go.
2: There you go. Oh, you can okay, hear us okay, now. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, Do yeah, yeah. Me I mean, too. I've... Yes, I can hear Bible. Woohoo! I, I... Awesome. All right. I just I, I just I just had a, a phone call from Paramount basically and I had to take it. And no that's what and I got missed.
0: Oh so wait a minute, you're saying Paramount's more important? Uh, we get it. All right.
1: No, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> I just don't have a C so. from Paramount somewhere. I probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> Um, i'm Joe uh, Castro, welcome to, the, welcome to the Indie Brigade tonight. Thank you for coming. Thank you for putting Paramount on hold for us, sir. <laughs> Joe
2: and George, thank you for having me on the show. It's a complete honor and a total blessing to be here with you, gentlemen, tonight.
1: Happy New Year to you.
2: Happy New Year to you as well. And happy I, holiday season.
1: And and uh, I I don't know if you knew our friend Dustin that we were talking about who passed I, away, but
2: I do know Dustin. he was yeah. my friend on Facebook, and I I know. Yeah, yeah. I saw the post and. uh uh, you know, what can you say? But uh, uh, we uh, this world is a uh, it's a very unfair place and we're mm-hmm. taken whenever we are taken. We don't have a right to say when we're taken. And uh, uh, I know that Dustin and uh, all the artists that have gone before us would want us to continue doing what we do best. That's making right. The, making the world a better place. One movie at a time. Right.
1: That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. And that's kind of what the Indie Brigade is all about, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not talking to you. Uh, rigsby
0: yeah i'm gonna disappear now (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: bye-bye i'm thrilled to have you here man you know i really am we've talked a little bit on the phone and you know we've been circling around stuff together for a long time so it's exciting to me to have you here and to talk and and to to have you talk to the brigade about some stuff that people probably won't other people probably don't ask you to talk about But, you know, first and before all of that, I would love it if you would just kind of tell everybody a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you're up to, and what's going on.
2: Well, my name is Joe Castro. I was born and raised in Holotis, Texas, on a big goat ranch where I decided at the age of seven that I wanted to make movies in Hollywood, you know, and uh, my family made that possible. My father uh, made me promise him to chase my dreams and never stop chasing my dreams and you know, my family bought me a movie camera when I was 12 years old. And when I was seven years old, my dad introduced me to Godzilla, Godzilla versus the Smog Monster. And right then and there, I knew what I wanted to do with my entire career at the age yeah. of seven. You know, and I've been out in LA since uh, 1989. And I've had the honor and privilege to work with some amazing people in the industry. Uh, men and women that are my mentors and my heroes and uh, Our legends and uh, people that are still in my life today that I consider, you know angels and complete uh, masters of the craft, you know
1: Absolutely, Um, I'm just taking some notes here Uh, Joe Rigsby always gets on to me. Uh, We're all just busting his balls Joe Ridgley always gets on to me um, For not looking at the camera, but I take a lot of notes when I talk to people so I'm definitely looking down That's Um, all good. So you know, I first of all, what is this guy behind you? Tell us. Oh, this uh, this
2: character right here is uh, it's like uh, the it's it's my classic gray alien from a brand new movie that just came out this this uh in 2019 titled Xenophobia, which was a 20 year project with my uh, partner Steven Escobar, uh, who I've been with for 22 years, and we made the very first ever alien abduction anthology movie. And if you like, if you like classic practical effects and you like uh, like the Twilight Zone or uh, uh, what's the other one, uh, The Outer Limits, you will love Xenophobia. And it's out right now. You can get it on all the whole media platforms. And um, well, I, I tried to do, I wanted to do all the Aliens practical, kind of like the cantina scene in Star Wars and sure. I wanted to, you know I wanted to do something original you know and you know w- whenever you do something truly original it's very hard to feed it to a mass audience but uh, I'm kind of like it's as, as a gift and a curse you know i try to do something truly original people crap all over it and then 5 years later everybody's doing it and i would you know and i'm the one left left out of the loop for the for the for uh uh bringing it to the forefront but that's that's what i do that's been the entire basis of my career i try to do something that has never been done before and uh, i don't want to look back at my career and say say that i've made the same movie over and over again you right. know yeah absolutely so yeah that's uh that's that's one from uh, i got a couple of aliens right here i got this one right here which is uh one in the in the in the front of the film and i just kind of i just, you know i wanted to like do like aliens that were very classic to what people think an alien is you know yeah. to something you know all the same features as a human just slightly disturbed or mutated uh, because of the different chemicals that are on that that aliens planet you know the same with the same with this guy right here I have dr Carnage over over my right shoulder that's why I keep going over to my right shoulder but um yeah you know and um I uh uh, you know, over the years, okay, most people don't know. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a practical special effects artist and I'm also a digital effects artist. And I've directed features and written features, but, but down, you know, deep down, I'm just an artist. I'm an artist and I try to uh, create things that are truly unique, truly original, one of a kind. And, um, that's why people hire me. That's why people come and seek me out. They know I'm going to make something, you know, very edgy that's never been done before. Uh, and it's going to be something unique, you know, one of a kind. Uh, yeah.
1: Well, listen, I love that. And, and, and I love what you're saying about, um, just doing something that's never been done doing something original, but most importantly, being an artist. You know, because at the end of the day, that's what we all are. And I think a lot of people, especially a lot of young indie filmmakers, and tell me what you think about this. I think they lose sight of that sometimes when they get their head down on a mission, right? So now you, you, you spend this time growing and being inspired and coming up with an idea and being creative and writing it and getting it ready to shoot and going to shoot it. And somewhere along the way, you forget that you're doing it all because you're an artist and you fall into the, Uh, the call sheets of it all right
2: absolutely and i want to i want to add to that that most artists are alone in their own head yeah and they they have these conversations with themselves uh the trials and tribulations of feeling happy feeling amazing feeling good about what they're doing and and they're the only person having those conversations but they need to understand that every artist has that conversation they're not alone they're not alone You know, and uh, something that I've learned, after I've been doing this for 37 years. Yeah. Um, And uh, after 37 years, I realized, you know, there are different kinds of people, but artists are all the same. And we all uh, need to, one, be responsible for our own creativity. That's right. We have to be in our work. We have to be in our business in order to be happy. We are responsible for for making our own art and even when, when we're not being employed we have to continue seeking that out and I noticed that my director friends and my artist friends that they're, they're they, you know when they're not employed they're crazy out of their mind I'm like dude you need to you need to make something yeah I don't care if it's a two-minute film or a sculpture but you need to go make something you need to make something now and uh and that'll get you back on track to what you're doing yeah. so the point is you know I, my point is is I always try to keep busy and uh I always keep trying to do something like I said, it's never been done before. Keep challenging yourself. Um, and uh, I think uh, I, I think over the past like three or four years, I've really come into my own calling of what I wanted to do. And even though I've been doing it for 37 years, I kind of feel like I just kicked open the door to the whole thing. So it's, Isn't that crazy, right? So just for anybody listening,
1: uh, we're chatting right now with Joe Castro on the Romero Pictures Indie Brigade. Um, I'm putting that out there for our audio listeners only, Joe. So this is a new thing for me. I, I got to figure it out but anyway sorry um you know sorry so so this is something right so basically what you're talking about is something that i talk a lot about which is nurturing your inner creative right and you mentioned that your friends you got a lot of friends who are they're nuts when they're not doing something when they're not they're not on a job and 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 that's another thing you know you get to a point in your career and i mean this happened to me at one point where you get to one point where you're trying to get through these doors You've gotten through a certain set of doors, but the next set of doors you're trying to get through, certain things that you've been doing have to change a little bit because it's going to be perceived differently if you're trying to go up the ladder, right? So then at some point you make the decision like I did, fuck it, man, my artist is more important to me than any level of success that anybody else might perceive, right? Mm -hmm. So I have to to nurture my inner creative. For me, I do woodworking um, or, you know, like I make custom furniture and props and all that stuff. Um, and then beyond that, if I just need like a quick creative fix, I'll go into the kitchen and put on some jazz and make some crazy fucking dinner that, you know, out of, out of the blue or okay, yeah. crazy, you know, but it's like you said, you have to make something and you've been doing this 37 years and you feel like you just now broke through a door, okay. like, Literally. How, so, right? So how do you, how do you nurture your own inspiration yeah. and how yeah. do you make sure that you're staying on track with doing yeah. things that other people have never done. Does that question make sense? Like how did I get that?
2: How did I do that? How, how do I do that? Why well, do that by a remaining teachable? Okay. I have a 37 years. I walk into a movie set and I'm handed a special effects assistant. Yeah. Okay. You know, <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> you know, and, and I mean, I've been doing it for 37 years, you know, then they know some stuff. I'm still teachable. They may, they may teach me something, but what I've noticed more and more, more, more and more is that they got, they got a lot of knowledge and they got something they want to teach me, which is fine, you know? And, um, but, uh, and I'm a, I'm a good listener and I'm a good learner and quick learner. And, uh, I I have to remain teachable. I have to consider the idea that someone knows something better than I, than I know. And, um, and I do that even when I'm working with like, like a director, you know, a director will tell me, I like, like, and I've shared this on other shows and I'll share this with you how I got to where I am right now is that I remain teachable and I'm always open to new ideas, especially when it comes from like a filmmaker or a director. You know, I I collaborate with the director. I don't come in with like this idea of how amazing I am as an artist. And I know better than you because my imagination is so amazing. That's not my job. My job is literally to extract what's in the director's mind out of his mind and produce it. So, yes, I am. I am being an artist, but I'm just I, I'm a tool. I'm a tool to his imagination. And um, that is how I've been able to, to, to break through that door. I, I become a. I be, become more even more of a team player. I know even less now because I go seeking for knowledge out of the director's mind, out mm-hmm. of the costumer's mind, out of the actor's mind. And I bring it into my own work.
1: You know, and you have to do it that way. You know, I mean, it's a collaborative process. And as a director and as a filmmaker and as a producer and somebody who has hired crews and worked with big crews and small crews, the one thing that I I do with every project that I work on is I, I very happily and voluntarily include everybody in the creative process on some level because everybody is there for a reason. Everybody from you know my dolly grip to the effects team to there, everybody's there for a reason, and that reason is their experience and their ability and their passion for their job. And so, by being able to truly collaborate and talk with everybody, you're going to come up with a project, you're going to empower your crew to care creatively about the film because. Everybody on the crew now has a piece of it, right, creatively. That's right. And you right. collaborate like you've never collaborated before, and you're going to see this come to life in ways that is going to allow you to do things you've never done before. But now here's a question for you, and this is a very practical question. Okay, so now you, you go on to a movie, and you talk to a director, and he's a young director, and he says, I want you to do that thing that was in, like, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Right. And you say, okay, great, but what if we do it? No, I want the <sighs> thing from Close Encounters. Because you know that that happens, and I've seen it happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know? no, so how do you happen. steer those people towards something that challenges you
2: and help them out of those? Yeah. Runs, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, give is- them a, you give them, you give them, you give them uh, an amazing option. Yeah, you give them something that 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 they can't turn away from. That's and where that- the artist comes in. Yeah, you give them something. You're like, oh wow you know yeah and how to, i i i always start with uh with with reality i always start with reality and i and i make something i create something I, I always do pre-production designs you know big studios they do pre-production designs for a long time before they actually get down to creating the thing it is there are because they do prototyping and pre-production design and um and i i never sit down in front of a piece of clay without having already done some sort of design work um so yeah i I give the director something that they that i I give them something so amazing on paper that they that they can't deny it they're like yeah that's what i want you know so that's that's where you come in and then all 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 the businesses aside and you can begin being creative you know because you're both are on the same page
1: absolutely we got some questions coming in for you here for these questions are for joe castro on romero pictures indie brigade for anybody listening to the audio i'm gonna i'm gonna run this into the ground joe
2: okay okay okay
1: so let's see we've got oh lance wagner asked joe castro about calling information to get savini's number
2: oh yeah 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 so um i uh, when i was uh like 10 years old uh it was 1980 and um you know you could call uh 411 in your hometown and uh you could get like the area code to like another state and the phone number to their 411 and you know, if you were listed in the phone book, you could find anybody's phone number. And uh and it was easy to find Tom Savini's phone number. So I just called him on the phone when I was 10 years old. And I and I had a relationship with him over the phone for like the time I was like 10 to the time I was like, I believe it was 14. Um, and uh and he talked me through a whole bunch of stuff and he he taught me over the phone. I I mean I I I mean, my imagination might be wild, but I remember one time he was on the phone with me for like forty-five minutes trying to explain to me how to look, put air in a, in a compressed uh, a chemical fire extinguisher to do the like the head cut off from Dawn of the Dead, and he he professionally explained to me how to put that together, and that's just the kind of man he was. And he he you know he was he was he was a, he was always a teacher. He was always a giver, and he was very kind to me. And, um, you know, even when I met him for the very first time in person, I asked him to autograph uh, uh, something. And, uh, you know, it's just he just autographed. He didn't ask for any money. He's nothing. He was just he was such a sweet, kind man. And he yeah. always has been to me. And, um, yeah, he's uh, uh, such a huge influence. I, I can't describe how many uh, how many uh, things in my life are because of what that man has shown us all, you know? Yeah,
1: I know. Yeah. I talk about that all the time. He used to, he used to uh, mess with me in his shop when I was a little kid and I would go over there with my dad and, uh, he, it was like a wonderland for me.
2: Yeah. So
1: yeah. yeah. Another comment up here from Elena Damewood that says, I try to help bring inspiration to the director's effects on explaining what all the experiences member of exorcism, Holy order, uh, totally agree with you both. Uh, with, with both you we all work as one team to create our films come to life uh, Elena consults uh, on films about exorcisms and things like that uh, which is very cool and I'm, I'm I'm very excited that she's kind of found the brigade and is paying attention and you know welcome to the group um
2: oh, I, I want to I have two things on my mind right now one I need to I need to keep track of the time. Because I, I I have to be out here at a certain time. Oh, okay. I have a very very pressed schedule. And two, I just wanted to. I, I, it's a couple of fun facts. I want to just get out there so we can do whatever we want to make sure that we don't run out of time. Here's a couple of fun facts. Most people don't know that my partner Steven Escobar and I have the Guinness Book of World Record for the highest body count in a slash or movie. It's 155 on-screen kills, uh, and you know, and just like it, it, a lot of people hate on the film because a lot of it's done digitally, but it was all shot practically. Yeah, and the fa- and the thing was, it was uh, very gory. So I went back in and I put a digital pass over it, so it would be more mainstream and get to a bigger market. And that, that's like something that happened there. That's a, a fun fact. And then secondly, you know, I I was honored to create the special effects for Blood Feast Two, which was Herschel Gordon Lewis's sequel to his original uh, slasher movie. And um, you know, uh, Herschel, you know, was a man that has also done so many things for this. First of all, I mean, if, if if we all could sit and pick apart his films and how far, how much his films have influenced every horror film ever made, uh-huh. it, it would be, it would be it's it would almost be impossible because there's something about what Herschel did in his first movie Blood Feast that's in every motion picture of horror or slasher ever made. Really, truly, you know. Um, and, uh, that man also was a big mentor and influence in my career, you know, bring Stevens. I want to give her a shout out. She's been an amazing woman in my life and has totally directed me throughout my career and brought me and to, to be like the man, literally the man I am today, show me how to be a kinder person, a more professional individual. Uh, you know, also, uh, you know, I, I don't no longer have my family in my life. Uh, for reasons uh, that we'll talk about some other time. But, you know, I have a family, and my family are all these people. Herschel was part of my family. Brink was part of my family. Um, You know, and um, uh, Fredel and Ray also gave me my first film, uh, film credit as a key special effects artist on Evil Tunes. And just all these people, amazing people that are still in my life today. I, I just I, I wouldn't be where I am without them. And I have to give them a shout out about that. I'm, and glad, and you also-
1: did. I'm glad you did. And, you know, I would love to, to have you. I know you got to go, but I would love to have you on again and talk a little bit more in depth about some of the stuff you're talking about and talk about the fact that, you know, it's not like it used to be anymore. You know, it's uh, people used well, to help each other out. People joke about yeah, it. Yeah, that's it. true. That's true. It used I to mean, be collaborative.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm more than happy to uh, to bring someone in and show them what I do and explain to them what I do, but there's no there's no love or, or family connection there. It was different, you know, it was big, like literally I, I hung out with a group of guys at a special effects shop and we were our, each other's family. And we were all, it doesn't happen like that anymore. Now I do have some very uh, talented professional people. Uh, my, my friend Lisa Lex, who I consider my special effects assistant, and she's more than an assistant to me, but she's a woman that I have in my life that I work with on set. And, uh, she's, she's, uh, she's going to be uh, an amazing, you know, uh, she is an amazing special effects artist. And I, 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 we, we collaborate. She makes my work better. You know, uh, I have her around. So, you know, once again, seeking out new ideas and new, and new people and new places. And, um, you know, uh, I, 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 other than other than not being having a real bond to like other special effects artists anymore, you know, uh, and, and I don't know that happened about a decade ago when uh, no one no one was talking to each other anymore and all the little shops kind of went away. I have a fully functional special effects shop in Los Angeles, in Van Nuys. Uh, I have a converted two car garage. I have everything you can do in a big shop here, and uh, you know, if anybody needs anything that they can or can't imagine they can definitely give me a shout out and we can do that, you know? Uh, oh. but I don't, I don't do, st- uh, but, but I don't, I won't do something that isn't small. Every job I do today has it's very important to me. Right. Very important. And I take it, very, take it very seriously. Everything, even if it's just a face or a mask, it, it's very serious to me.
1: Look, if you don't take it seriously, then you're not doing your inner creative any justice and all you're doing is pissing it off. And then, well, you know, then you're screwed.
2: And, and also, I'm representing people that have ta- come before me who have, who taught me how to do all this stuff. That's, that's why, right. And that's why I freely give away some of, you know, if someone asks me something, I will show them. I will show them how to do it. It doesn't mean that they can do it themselves, but I will show them, you know. Absolutely absolutely
1: well Joe listen uh, I know you got to go before you go tell everybody where they can find you on the internet and all that other stuff
2: okay great you can find me at facebook.com backslash Joe uh, send me a friend request but more importantly send me a message and uh, say hello so we can talk and uh, make some movies uh, on Instagram my handle is Joe Castro director and uh, you know check out xenophobia It's out right now on all the home media platforms. If you like practical effects, you're going to love this film.
1: Awesome. Well, Joe, thank you so much for coming on tonight. Thank you,
2: gentlemen, uh, very much.
1: Yeah, and best of luck with everything, and uh, go get back to Paramount and your press tour. You
2: you know what? If you guys need anything, please don't hesitate to reach out and say hello, and if I can, I'll make it happen.
1: Listen, join into our community, if you haven't already, uh, on Facebook. I'll send
2: them an invite.
1: Yeah, and we'll make sure that uh, we get you involved in the conversation as much as humanly possible.
2: Okay, oh, one more thing. I was going to post uh, on my on my Facebook page. If anybody wants to make films with maggots and they don't want to kill actual maggots or put maggots on their body parts and stuff, I'm going to post an alpha-channel digital maggot that people can duplicate and put on, on, their, on their body parts and stuff because we no longer have to kill real bugs on film. Right. We can do it digitally. And I'm a big supporter of not doing that. So contact me on Facebook if you want a digital alpha maggot that you can put in your film, so you don't have to kill real bugs.
1: All right, you heard it here first, everybody. And I want to come. I want to have you back on just to talk about that for a while.
2: <laughs> I got. It. Thank you very very much, gentlemen. All right. Have a great night, man. Good night. Man. Good night. All right.
0: Bye-bye.
1: Man, I love his energy and I love his spirit. You know, he's so awesome uh, with the way he thinks about the collaboration. And everything. It sucks he had to go so quick, but I get it. He's on this press tour and all this other stuff. So
0: So Paramount's more important
1: than us, huh? I I actually have my Paramount look at this. here watch. Here's my old Paramount badge. <laughs> I used to have an office there too. There's,
0: yeah, well, I got some press passes behind me, but it doesn't compare to that. So I, I still oh I yeah, I have a key
1: for it somewhere.
0: So digital bugs. Yeah. Yeah. Bugs are people too. (laughs) How
1: cool is that? uh, And and you know what I love is that he's just going to be posting it up for free. I mean, that's the kind of thing that people, you know, charge a lot of money for. Right. (laughs) Especially uh, in the indie world, you know. Um, I love this hashtag. (laughs) (laughs) I I love Joe. You know, I, I love that he came on. I love his energy. He's a good Joe. You're like a bad Joe. <sighs> George. <laughs> George. There it is. Blame Joe.
0: So for those um, who are audio only, yeah, there's a hashtag blame Joe across the screen right now because that's what we'd love to do.
1: Yes, we blame Joe for everything, whether it's his fault or not.
0: I would not have it any other way.
1: Um, can we get a shirt that says maggot lives matter Uh, also you know anybody else who who asked us questions or anything for Joe uh, that we didn't get to um, you know we we try to go back and and, and get your questions answered joe was on a tight schedule tonight uh so he had to get going for
0: some. and just so everybody else knows also when it comes to comments and everything i'm the one pulling them up i have to figure out when it's okay to interrupt or if it's gonna be seen so don't take it personally if it's not like the right time or anything but they will be addressed later on (laughs) if they're not brought up
1: i like this uh poor bad joe (laughs)
0: So, so yeah, confusing with Joe's tonight when you're saying Joe, and so, yeah. That's why I
1: try to make sure my tone is, you know, very up and respectful toward Joe Castro and very <laughs> sort of like, you know, how I feel about you, toward you. Oh, uh, uh, I love you.
0: Uh, no, well, you see, I'm confused with this one from Wheels right now. Wait, so, yeah,
1: he's probably talking about the other Joe.
0: Wheels, are you talking about me or <laughs>
1: Uh, and we got Aaron on. His yeah, energy was, was amazing. amazing. Yeah, his energy is phenomenal. And, you know, I, I love his story about Savini, too. Savini was, was very much that way, uh, especially back in the day. And he, he had this great spirit and energy about him. Um, and, you know, I think probably, uh, again, something else we didn't get to talk to, to Good Joe about was, um, you know, the fact that since Savini kind of mentored him over the phone randomly from the age of 10, I, I'm sure that had something to do with, with developing his, his love for sharing his knowledge.
0: Whichever. Well, I you right. think, holy crap, man, you're 10 years old and you're talking to Savini on mm-hmm. the phone and you just like 411'd it? Right. <laughs> well, thank you, Lance Wagner, for that uh, tidbit. That 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 was cool. So I, I, I'm not sure what this means. No go, Joe. I'm assuming that's to me, but hey, it is what it is. We need... Uh, we we do need to blame Joe shirt. Sure. I'm, we're, I'm working
1: gonna, we're working on it, Ron.
0: We're gonna put that on the website.
1: The only reason it's taken so long is because it's fucking Joe's fault.
0: Oh <laughs> uh, we got we got Wheels responding. Nope, you thank you, Wheels. <laughs> Appreciate it, brother. Oh, see? man, you got one in your corner. <laughs> <laughs> uh yes, Dawn, we can see you at this time uh through youtube thank you for being on youtube so we do youtube and facebook at the same time live so that is awesome that you're over there um okay so got todd someone said a huge announcement is coming up
1: it is true it is coming up it's actually the announcement was technically made yesterday as promised but I, i need to clear this up before we get into things when I originally said the announcement was going to be on, on January 2nd, I actually had my date screwed up and thought that the second was Friday and that I was going to do it on the show, but that didn't happen. So I kept good on my word because accountability and, uh, I made an announcement full of all kinds of stuff last night on the Facebook page for the indie brigade. And tonight, we're just going to kind of drill down through that and talk about a lot of the great stuff. That we've done in the current uh, website expansion, Um, talk about some of the stuff that's still coming and introduce you to some folks who are part of the new uh, Indie Brigade 2020. So I'm actually just going to pull up the website so I don't forget anything or miss anything. And um, Joe, are you there? Maybe. (laughs) <laughs> All right, so why don't we jump into things here and kind of go over everything with some folks. I'm just moving some windows around here on my computer because I need visual aids because my memory is... I
0: just seems those keep up the comments better. Well, on my end, that is.
1: I'm actually the one bringing the comments
0: up, so that, that would actually be me, Sean. I can't... I don't want to, like, interrupt people when they're talking and then... They have a tendency of looking down at the comment instead of finishing their thought and then they get kind of flustered and trying to multitask. Sean know it's totally
1: it's totally a hashtag blame Joe, Sean.
0: Fair enough. Now <laughs> wait a minute. Is that Joe
1: Ridgely, Rigsby or Wrigley? Well, I don't know. It's it's kind of up in the air right now. And you know, one of our one of our uh, participants the participants in the announcement can actually probably Chime in on that because we have actually Lance and Samantha Wagner with us tonight. Well, she's um, saying
0: Rigsley, so
1: it's Rigsley, it's rig, so it's not. So now we need a, a fourth one. Great! <laughs> <laughs> so let's jump into things here. We've got some cool stuff coming. Um, we've got first of all, and first and foremost, well, you know, should, what should I, what order should I go in? Should I talk about the trailer fest first? Why don't we talk about the trailer fest first? We have actually launched an online film festival that's 100% completely free uh, called the Romero Pictures Indie Brigade Trailer Fest. Yep, it is a film festival for trailers only. Uh, it's super easy to enter. All we ask for the uh, for the submission fee is that you like and subscribe to all of our shit uh, and that you listen to the Romero Pictures Indie Brigade podcast with your host, George C. Romero and Joe Ridgely. Um and uh and get your get your trailers submitted we've got some pretty cool prizes uh as a lot of people who watch this know um uh, i do a lot of custom woodworking um to stay sane creatively uh, one of the things that i've designed is actually a camera front box out of some nice uh exotic hardwoods and things like that so uh the first prize in first place gets one of those um And uh, then the second and third prizes uh, and, and the, the additional prizes for the first place are things like mentor sessions and, uh, you know, other really cool stuff. But I'm not going to tell you all of that. You've got to go to the website at RomeroPictures.com. You've got to sign up for the newsletter. You've got to like our stuff. You've got to share some things. And you've got you've to do some reading. But as filmmakers who are constantly trying to figure out how things like permits work and how everything else works, it shouldn't be hard for people to go out and read about what's going on and figure it out and upload some fucking trailers, man. You know what I'm saying? No. Jesus. Just upload some fucking trailers. Like a trailer trailer? A trailer. Some trailers to the Trailer Fest. The Romero Pictures Indie Brigade Trailer Fest. Moving on. Joe, stay with the program. So, <laughs> we've done a lot of this as sort of a website expansion. And if you go to the RomeroPictures.com site, uh, you'll see an Indie Brigade. You'll see a link for the trailer fest. You'll see a link for distribution, which is very cool. And I know. Well, uh, let me
0: interrupt is, you right there, though. If you haven't uh, been on the Romero uh, Pictures site in, in the past week, yeah. it, 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 there's been a huge change.
1: There has been a huge change. Maybe you should talk about that part because I was doing it, so it doesn't seem like that big a change. I'm just calling it an expansion.
0: But- well, I just wanted to make it sound more enthusiastic and better than, this is George C. Romero talking about the expansion of the website.
1: Oh, oh, we're doing impressions now? Hi, my name's Joe Rigsby, and it's <laughs> my fucking fall. <laughs> <laughs> But you
0: gotta have some enthusiasm, man. Get the people into it. Come on, the website is blowing up. It's freaking huge.
1: I'm moving my my fucking web browser over your face. (laughs) (laughs) So, like Joe Rigsby Wrigley, Ridge, Ridge, man. Whoa,
0: wait a minute, wait a minute. I got Dean on here saying Joe just ruined my
1: moment. (laughs) Don't worry, Dean. I got you. Wow, I know Dean is paying attention tonight and uh, he hasn't he's he was going through some stuff over the holidays too so but you know I'm very excited about our distribution label. If you go to the romeropictures.com website, you'll see a distribution link where you can learn all about our new distribution label which we are now as of today officially taking submissions for films for our distribution labels. We have two of them, Romero Pictures and the Romero Pictures Indie Brigade. Um, they're phenomenal. Dean and I have put together a really great filmmaker-friendly program that's designed to put money in filmmakers' actual pockets and um, and get viewers on their projects, uh, two of the most important things for independent filmmakers. So that's our first and foremost goal with the distribution labels, and that is a way, what we have figured out how to do. And so go to the RomeroPictures.com website, read about it. More reading, I know. It's research. I know, Joe. We're... I didn't write it in, like, Susian, so I get it. But, you know... Spell it. it
0: Huh? Spell (laughs) it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) IT. (laughs) Um, Hey, take this one from uh, Robert. Robert Hancock. What's this say? Digital decomposition could change the indie movie world slowly, but it's a process. Well, that's an interesting point. I would actually like to talk to robert a little bit about that point that's not something that i can just read and then just kind of have an off comment about i what i would like to do is encourage a a conversation about that statement right on the website there i would love if if people could chime in on that i know that dean would probably have some interesting opinions on that um and there's some other folks who are watching tonight that i think would have a really great uh point of view on that so i would love it if some people would get involved with that conversation um it, Paul, the Trailer Fest is just for trailers. It's any kind of trailer. It's a trailer for a film. If it's a trailer for a show, as if it's a trailer, it is eligible, uh, except for all of the reasons that are stated on the website as to why it may not be eligible. Which would include things like if it's already been distributed, uh, or if it's you know out there on Prime and if it's out in theaters. Like the, it's got to be. There's a list of it. You got to read, but. Th- it's trailers for anything
0: uh, Okay read this one please from Dean
1: Fuck you Joe <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you Dean I appreciate it brother love you too. <laughs> It says love
1: you Joe from Dean <laughs> Dean is a phenomenal Phenomenal member of the Indie Brigade He's also the Vice President of Acquisitions and Distribution For Romero Pictures And uh, I'm excited for all of you To get to know him He's just been sick over the holiday So he was unavailable to join us tonight Uh, But we are hitting the ground running this year, uh, and we're taking submissions uh, all through the website at romeropictures.com.
0: Well, to to address another comment, you know, Dean has that long title, and seriously, Lance is going to talk about me in three names when Dean's title is this long? Okay, good luck with that. (laughs) We got Eric
1: saying that, love these live shows, George. Miss you, buddy. Miss you too, man. Really, I sincerely do when I saw you found the brigade, uh, it, it warmed my heart. Uh, I told my wife all about you. Um, missed the instant replay, man.
0: You got Ron will be, we'll be submitting in February. Thank you, Ron. That's awesome.
1: Yes, it is. And, uh, I should also mention that we're going to be doing a new trailer fest every three months. So, um, if you don't get in for this one, make sure you get in for the next one and so on and so forth. And, 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 you know, you're welcome to submit multiple projects. Uh, as well. So, you know, just not in the same three-month period. So you could do movie one this time and movie two next time or whatever. Um, So it's just, the whole thing is designed to just promote collaboration and conversation among us and get us all talking and get indies working together. And, you know, there was this truly collaborative spirit back in the day in the entertainment industry. And it's, you know, trying to get it going now is like, like pull starting a lawnmower you know, that, that's that been sitting for a while. And uh, so that's that's just another, another way we're trying to do it. We just want a conversation to get going. So everybody join up, submit your shit, and come be part of things and talk about all this awesome shit with us.
0: Okay, so Todd, uh, I don't have three names. Apparently I have four names. And uh, Samantha Wagner will actually address that in the comments, um, I guess, when the show is over. So we're going to have a new one. Also hashtag blame Sam. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's see. One more thing and then we're going to. That is what it's all about right there, Keith. That is it. it, That is it.
1: We're a family. I mean, and the Indie Brigade, you know, I mean, we're 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 all extended family. You know, we're an island of of misfit toys, man. Most of us are the black sheep of the family um most of us are the weird friend most of us are the the people out there that we kind of spent a long time when we were younger thinking people didn't get us and the reality is that's not the fucking case so that's the indie brigade man welcome to it so
0: i'm gonna start bringing some of these folks up um what do you want to do first? How do you do you want to like go full blast and bring? Let me it?
1: just talk a couple of things real quick, and I'll be real quick. And then sure, we'll no, 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 no. You've
0: you've so got the stage.
1: In addition to the in addition to the expand or uh, 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 to the website expansion, uh, we've added um, our audio podcast, which I'm going to have to bring Joe back up on that because he's got a list of every everywhere that we're at right now um we've been picked up by a ton of different places the indie brigade podcast is now available uh in audio only mode on joe do you have the list handy i mean yeah to make me look that up right now so radio keep, Spotify. Keep, keep, keep talking for a moment and i'll get right on oh, that good. i'm glad you're prepared moving <laughs> on um we are offering some other services as well we've got the free podcast we've got the drone cav which we're going to talk about in just a few minutes with terry gerald and that's something that i'm very excited about we are working on a document uh template uh repository i guess if you will uh where we're going to be they aren't there yet but they will be there within the week um we're going to have things like call sheet templates budget templates scheduling templates uh, production expense reports, templates, templates for your script supervisor to use, all kinds of documents that are going to make the life of an independent filmmaker a hell of a lot easier. Um, we're now offering some other services that are not quite free, but they are services that we think, uh, based on experience, people will want and will want to be a part of. We're offering script services. So we'll do notes on your script, we'll do a dialogue pass on your script. We're going, to be, uh, we're going to be adding a lot more services uh, for the screenwriting side of things. We've got a very cool section called the mentor services where we've got right now, we've got, uh, in addition to me, we've got, let's see, we've got, what, there's four of us now. So we've got me, we've got uh, Jimmy Starr, which is another exciting announcement of ours. Jimmy Starr is our official uh, publicity partner for our distribution labels through Romero Pictures. Uh, he's a phenomenal publicist, uh, one of the top in the world. He has one of the top podcasts himself in the world right now. Uh, and he is coming, uh, joining the brigade to be uh, our exclusive PR partner for our distribution label. Uh, Jimmy is available to book as a mentor if you've got questions about what to do to promote your film. We've got Mick Strawn, tremendous friend of the show, production designer, effects guru, Um willing to share his information available uh, as a mentor for hire to people interested in the indie brigade and we've got our our last guest of the night tonight mr michael mandeville who many of you remember from our season finale uh who's one of my best friends in the world and my mentor when it comes to screenwriting with a calculator how to budget and schedule films and how to think um rationally and logically about my creative process when writing and we're going to talk more about that in a little bit so those are some very cool things that we have going on. Did you find that list of places where people can read about or people can hear the podcast yet? So
0: Yeah, don't take this the wrong way, but George, I have it up now.
1: Got it I up. Exactly how you meant. <laughs>
0: iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Public and Breaker and we're on the list for about 8 more. So there is no excuse whatsoever not to click one of the links on our page and subscribe if you're one of those audio only folks.
1: Yeah, I mean if you seriously if you can't figure out how to follow the the podcast and then... and and pay attention and listen at this point we've made it as easy as possible so we'll just be angry at you forever
0: and we got facebook and youtube still don't forget that youtube channel if you're watching on youtube click that subscribe button please and the little notification bell It helps us out a lot um same thing with facebook hit the like and subscribe or whatever it is um eric you have a very valid point that i rudely interrupt tried to interrupt george with
1: earlier but um Oh, I, I saw agree. it. I'm so glad you brought it up again. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, I thought you were my oldest friend.
0: <laughs> I like Eric. <laughs> <laughs> we got Santos Martinez. Uh Jersey, Romero, bro. Love what you what you do. Bring in Lance and Sam. Woo. Awesome. Uh ba, 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 ba. Lance and Clegg. Oh, that's an artist, I believe. And all right. So are you ready to bring some folks on or? Yeah, let's do it. Well, do you want to bring them all on at the same time or how do you want to do this? Well, uh, yeah, why not? All right. So I'm going to bring up the Wagner Wiles first and then I'm going to bring up Terry.
1: So let's get everybody on here. Look at that. It's Lance and Samantha Wagner and Terry Gerald There's Terry. Hey, Terry. Can you hear me? Can you
3: hear me now? Can, can you hear,
1: hear us? We're, we're not sponsored by Verizon. So.
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> can you hear us, Jeff?
0: Verizon. If you're interested,
1: email us at rp.in <laughs> <laughs> Guys, how's everybody doing tonight? Good. It's can you hear me? Right. Can
3: you hear us? Can you hear us?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Testes, Happy-
3: testies, testies.
1: Okay. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.
3: Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Everybody, season season two is underway.
1: Season two is is well underway. We're deep into season two, by the
0: way. Very deep. So, Lance, are you saying you have a xenophobe coming out of you? What the
3: yeah, that's uh Joe's movie, that's Joe Castro's movie. We just had him on, we know that's right.
1: (laughs) Well, now it's all come full circle. See, because that's right, right so 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 we're just going to break this down quickly and go through this with everybody and then we're going to bring michael on as well so uh on i guess uh, wherever everybody is on the screen we've got the wagner wiles with lance and samantha wagner The wagner wiles is we're very excited about this here um this is our first sort of. I don't know what we're call, what we're we calling it—a spinoff. What are we called? Whatever. Whatever. We call. It's our first show, right? It's our first non-podcast show that's also a podcast. But it's very cool, Lance and Samantha. For anybody who doesn't know them, they're they're two of the best people in the world, uh, and the 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 love that they have for each other is just—it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever she, seen. She's
3: drunk right now,
1: George. So. Yeah, I know.
0: I'm still up, right?
1: <laughs> You're still but, up. Upright, or yeah. I'm still
0: upright. I'm holding I'm her. Upright. I'm holding her. I'm
2: not <laughs> impelling.
0: Well, let me just bring up the. Um, well, I wish you guys would have sent me the uh, intro, but here, here it is. Romero Pictures Indie Brigade presents the Wagner Wiles.
1: That's absolutely it, and that's my fault. I didn't send you the intro, so uh, uh, hashtag it. blame George on that one. Mm-hmm. Here at the. Uh, Romero Pictures Indie Brigade podcast with your host George C. Romero and Joe Rigsby.
3: <laughs> Joe, Joe, three names.
0: No, wait a minute.
1: Is it Wrigley, Rigsby, or... I, as long as I just have it up there, I can just pick every time, and that makes me happy. Yeah,
4: uh, if, I'm, if I'm saying it, it's Rigsley.
1: Now it's Rigsley. Rigsley. Oh, okay, so there, was, Rigsley.
0: there was never a B. It was an, uh, okay. It was la, okay. la,
4: la. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so we, see, can, we need we to add that there. We yeah, we,
1: back. we do. Right, Terry. We have yeah. that technology. Hey,
4: We've got another option here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So, just to touch on the Wagner Wiles here, one of the one of the greatest things about these two is the fact that their opinions on the movies they watch are often different. They often clash, and they're often at opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to their fandom. Uh, and so, what we think is going to be a lot of fun for people to watch is to watch these two kind of find a way to meet in the middle about movies they watch. Because at the end of the day, you know, like if, if Joe and I have opposite have opposing views on a movie, and we meet for coffee. I can be like, "Fuck you, your your opinion's stupid," and I can go home. And, and Joe can do the same thing. These two don't have that luxury they're 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 stuck with each other through better and worse and and that that's mean right. through watching movies together so the Wagner Wiles is about uh i'll let Lance talk about it i don't mean to i'm just excited
3: well, so people know in the name too We're just it was we were going for the x files and we wanted the WW, so we all kind of just settled on the Wagner Wiles and Chris Atella got us a, a kick ass song to go with the uh with the program as well and the first one was a lot of fun and uh, George was the um What's that? The,
4: the shifter,
3: <laughs> but it was. Well, me? I was going for MC, but yeah, okay. Well, kind of he kind of pushed us in the direction because uh, well, you'll see on the show. You'll see on the show. It was it was really good. I'm glad we yeah. did that first episode.
1: Me too. I just wanted to kind of kick it off and and throw you guys into the deep end of the pool and see what happened. And it was awesome. It was it was so great awesome. job. So everybody, tune into the first episode of the Wagner Wiles with Lance <laughs> and Pam, and I'll really go cool. ahead and tell you all. It's basically about how they can live uh, with each other after comparing the original Suspiria and the remake uh, as a married couple. So,
3: (laughs) thanks, Cliff.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Now, moving right on to the drone cab. This is something else very exciting to filmmakers. Um, Anybody out there uh, who's making an independent film and is wondering how to? Up their production value. We now have the Romero Pictures Indie Brigade Drone Cav uh, with Terry Gerald, and I'm going to let Terry just kind of introduce himself and talk about where he comes from and his and his qualifications and exactly what makes him the baddest motherfucker to ever teach you guys how to use a drone.
4: Woo! Yeah, I dig that. I need a t-shirt with that. <laughs> no, no, I need a a, a wallet, a wallet like jewelry. Yes. <laughs> um. Well, again, my name is Terry Giro. I'm a professional drone pilot based here in Central Florida. And uh, I work in a few capacities as a writer on drone technology and a few things. But I've been working more and more with uh, the film industry and indie filmmakers. And seeing, it's kind of like that, hey, did you know you could do this? Did you know you could do that? And uh, it's it's that eureka moment, light bulb over the head, over and over and over. So, I think we've got a lot of fun, cool stuff to bring out, because I'm trying to get uh, the understanding across that drones aren't always these big, you know, 200 feet in the air, these big panoramic shots of the beautiful ocean and all that. You can use these things as a low altitude, four or five feet off the ground, dolly, tracking, uh, crane shots. I mean, it, they're a tool that you can just do amazing things with. You, and you don't have to spend a ton of money. It's it's a lot of technique. You can use a, uh, uh, a four or $500 drone, and if you know how to set it up, how to set the camera up, how to set your flight up, and handle uh, all the details in post, you can get some pretty amazing results out of it. So it's more knowing what to do and how to, how to leverage all this technology.
1: Well, and what's really exciting about it to me is that, um, you know, I, I think that what we're doing is Terry's got a blog uh, where he's, he's writing articles about everything from how to pick a drone on your budget to how to use one and how to get licensed and all the rules and regs, but uh, beyond that he's also going to be doing some drone videos some tips, tutorials, tricks uh, and things basically designed to help indie filmmakers take their production level uh, from you know point A to over the moon so we're very excited about that here. Uh, so these are uh, a lot, these are some of the new faces you're going to be seeing here at the Indie Brigade. We're very excited and proud and honored to have everybody involved who's, in, who's involved. And I, I want to thank you guys for being here tonight. And Joe, um, you can tell everybody where they can find all of this other stuff, or do I have to fucking do that too?
0: <coughs> Hashtag blame Joe. RomeroPictures.com.
1: <laughs> oh, enthusiastic
0: yeah, enough <laughs> not really no <laughs>
1: yeah everything is running through RomeroPictures.com. so go to RomeroPictures.com. you find the indie brigade link you hover over it you see no wait a minute so just it. so
0: everybody's aware
1: we have the wagner wiles romero pictures indie brigade presents the wagner wiles and we also have romero pictures indie brigade drone <laughs> cav
3: that's awesome. <laughs> that was
1: awesome. So that's that's pretty good shit to start off the new year with, right? So far. I
3: think Scotty is pretty oh, yeah. awesome.
1: I, I mean remember. with that
0: and the mentor mentors, maybe I can't even speak straight right now. You got me so excited, George. That I'm was, sorry.
1: Yeah, I have that effect on Joe a lot.
3: Joe's aroused.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's not a microphone.
3: <laughs> wow. Oh, that escalated quickly. <laughs> oh, wow. Where'd uh, Sam go? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think I just broke Joe.
3: That was awesome. Oh, wow. <laughs> 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 Why are you turning red, Joe?
1: Heb is back bad. Um, on that Sean, note, <laughs> wait one second, Sean Smithson. You made a comment here, and I would love to address it, but it's 10 o'clock. We've got to kind of move on and get uh Mike Mandeville up here. Uh, we're on a schedule, but Terry, um, Sean Smithson made a comment about just found out Wednesday Best Buy won't sell drones to anyone under 17 years old.
0: Now, oh, um, no, wait a minute, how come it's cigarettes 21, beer 21, drones
1: 17? <laughs> that makes any sense, yeah. To
4: that's me. craziness. Um, yeah, it, you know, that's the first I've heard of that. I'm, I'll look into that. Um, one of the, the functions I mentioned before is I serve as the FAA drone Pro locally here. And uh, so rules, regs, things like that are kind of in my wheelhouse too. There, um, there's a lot of um, kind of just you know, crazy and misinformation going on out there right now. So that may have prompted something with Best Buy or whatever, but I, I'm glad he brought that up so I, I can look into that and get an answer for it in case anybody... All
0: right, 10 seconds or less now. We got Scott Busey saying, George, PG-13. Um, yeah, <laughs> thank, thank, thanks for that that really that, well. that mic comment, George, because <laughs> Dave's saying Mike... Really? <laughs>
3: That's awesome. Thanks, brother.
0: <laughs> wow! And we've got... Like, time to pull out the wine, Absolutely. <laughs> uh and so that's what they said take a picture
1: all right on that note we have to all right well listen that's it we're good uh that's the big announcement we've broken most of it down new merch uh we've got crew spotlights on our website now make sure you go and learn about our distribution. If you're a filmmaker, make sure you go and support Lance and Samantha and the Wagner wiles. Make sure you come and be part of the drone. <laughs> tab. Make sure you check out our script services. If you're stuck, make sure that if you have questions about anything and you need somebody to talk to, to give you straight up, no bullshit answers, go to our mentor package or mentor page, and yes. find a mentor and, and ask us what you need to know. And, we and he got is
3: you. serious. He is absolutely serious about yeah. all this.
1: We got you. We got you. You just got to come. And, you know, the answer is always no until you ask. And the Indie Brigade is about starting a conversation. So get involved, right. get in the conversation and and let's make indie filmmaking as best as we can. And Joe wants it. to say something. Do not be afraid to ask. No, don't be afraid ever. Don't be afraid to ask. The answer is always no until you ask. So with that, Terry, thank you so much for coming on here and Happy talking here. about the drunk cab. Lance, Sam, thank you for coming on. Lance, thanks for being sober.
3: Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> Ish. 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 <laughs> Ish. That's fine. Samantha, you're amazing. Thank uh, you. And, uh, thank you guys for coming that on. The honor
4: here. is ours. Nah, it's,
1: all, it's all ours. It's all on this end. Love you guys. We appreciate everything you do. Yeah. Have a long you.
0: time. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs> That was mine. <laughs> <laughs> wah wa
1: all right. Everybody Michael
0: Mandeville, you ready for him?
1: I'm ready for him.
0: Are you sure? You don't look ready.
1: Well, I told you he and I already agreed to cut this short tonight. We're gonna cap it at about three and a half hours.
0: All right, but you you, you gotta let everybody out there know again what they're listening to, who they're listening to. Really?
1: Yeah, really. Really?
0: appease me please
1: fuck you everybody listening to the audio stream you are listening to Romero Pictures Indie Brigade with your host George C Romero and Joe (laughs) Wrigley
0: close enough (laughs) all right without further ado here's Mike Mandeville and I'm gonna dip out I'm gonna let you guys talk and I'm gonna scan comments okay Michael hey how are you How's doing, it going, man? Well, I just want to say hi to Michael first, and then hey, I'm going to dip how you doing out. There, Joe? I am great, Michael. Thank you for coming on again.
5: I like that "Blame Joe" hashtag. That was uh, <laughs> good there. I uh, I caught that part, and I go, boy, I could really use that in production. Um, yeah. You know?
0: Here it is again, ladies and
1: gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs>
5: that was pretty good. <laughs>
1: well, thank you. All right, you guys have had it. Thank you. How's it going, Michael?
5: Not too bad, not too bad for a Friday. There's only two days left in the work week, right? Saturday and Sunday.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you know, I, it's, I don't know if you heard me saying, I, I told Joe that we were going to cut this short and try to keep it to about three and a half hours.
5: Oh, that would be minimum. That would be then you and I having a coffee break and going back at it, you know? <laughs> so we got to talk and it was just supposed to be like, okay, let's see where we're at for like a few minutes. And then we talked for like 45 minutes and
1: – yeah. Yeah, and and it's, it's been that way for years, and I love it, and I love you, and and you know, for anybody Absolutely. who doesn't know, anybody who missed episode one with Michael Mandeville, uh, you're in for a treat tonight. Michael is, uh, he's my he's one of my biggest mentors and favorite people in the world. Uh, if 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 I think about it with regard to budgeting, scheduling, how to think logistically about a film, how to think with more of a calculator in my hand when it comes to screenwriting, uh, it's this man's fault. And uh,
5: <laughs> now it's Blaine Michael. I'm sure that's going to come up right there, right? <laughs>
1: uh, Michael is also part of our mentor program, and um, if you are lucky enough to get to pick this man's brain, um, you will. Uh, it's like taking the red pill. It's fucking crazy. So um, anyway, that said, I'd like to just kind of jump into it a little bit and, and talk about talk about what we started talking about earlier today, which was. You know, we've got so much to eventually drill down uh, into with our young filmmakers um, when it comes to you know practical applications of things we talk about. But I think I would like to kind of dive a little bit more and into a focused depth with you about screenwriting with a calculator. Um, and 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 first of all, why it's important. We can keep that part, you know, kind of just a recap of last episode. But really, kind of go into. Um, you know, just the tip of the iceberg on how to teach some of these young folks how to uh, think like a big production when it comes to their smaller budgets and no budget projects, right?
5: Yeah, yeah.
1: So, so that said, um, what what are what are your initial thoughts?
5: Well, one thing is, uh, and I was pondering that because of, uh, of course, we had that earlier conversation about that briefly, and I, of course, I've been thinking about it all day through my my errands and everything else. And one thing that strikes me that is both timeless and almost uh, uh, quantifiable as a skill, is what are the skills you would learn if you're a big in big productions or small productions? And you can cultivate those. Now, it could be one of uh, detail, uh, one of patience, uh, of which uh, sometimes I'm in short supply, um, not being unkind, but just like, let's get to the point, folks, kind of thing. And you and I address that one. And um, But leadership. And if you have a small budget project, uh, you're going to have to exhibit a, a certain degree of leadership, enthusiasm, cheerleading. You're uh, going to be a bit of a uh, psychologist at times. You're going to be a… Um, instigator. Instigator. Um, <laughs> and absolutely, an instigator. Uh, a planner. And… It's interesting how some of those techniques that you can learn on a low-budget film uh, apply to a a big-budget film. Um, I think sometimes you're using money as a bludgeon going, you're getting paid this, I need you to do that, and that's it, end of story. If you deliver that in very angry terms let's say, the gaffer, you'll be surprised at the end of the show. Uh, Wow, why do you have $15,000 of (laughs) L&D? Because... (laughs) No matter how much money you pay somebody, depending on how you treat them, is really there's going to be some recompense there for uh, um, a consequence.
1: That's right. And for anybody who doesn't know, L and D is loss and damage. And what Michael is referring to is if you piss off the grip and electric department when you go to return all the equipment you rented, a bunch of it's going to be broken, broken, um, missing, damaged, everything. Yeah. Right, which is one of which is why you need good insurance.
5: <laughs> Very good insurance, and yeah, the
1: bigger asshole you are, the bigger policy you need.
5: That's it. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. In more than a few states, that there, there, you'll definitely need them. You know. Yeah, but um, I think there's attributes that you can uh, cultivate in that regard, whatever the size of the film is. And let's say, by example, you have to you have to solve problems, and I always look at it this way where you have a server and the server might be the line producer, the UPM and the director, the producer, you know, and it moves around a little depending on who's a good problem solver or not. And, but let's just assume uh, the line producer to uh, some degree then the the director and having good communication there. Well, if you actually think of the gaffer, uh, the key grip, the art director, uh, the cinematographer, as servers. Well, when you send out the load of to solving the algorithm, the problem, the issue, if you can actually invite them into your circle, somebody's going to have an answer. And I work with Key Grips. I mean, these people, these guys have done 150, 250, 300 movies. Sure. So
1: you're going to listen to them. What's that? You're going to
5: listen to them. You're going to listen. You're going to say, oh, that's interesting. That's how you did this. And one time I remember we were working on a um, a show. We need to show the sparkle of the um, stars. But unfortunately, we're in Los Angeles, which is has no stars almost, uh, in the heavens, I should say. And right. um, so he basically got some beadboard and plucked some holes in it and then put Christmas lights taped behind it. Sure. And he did that on a film, oh, I don't know, 25 years ago. He goes, oh, I haven't done that forever because usually we have an expensive out. But in this case, we just needed a very inexpensive one. So, you know, biggest challenge was going to find Christmas lights in June, but we did. Right. But you have a fix and a very modest cost. That's right. You won't get that usually from people if you're, you know, the cheapest thing is to get a cup of coffee, you go sit with people that might be adversarial, which is a line producer happens enough with me, and you actually start talking to people. And then they go, well, they're not such a bad guy or a bad person or whatever, but they may have this uh, uh, feeling initially. And now you've kind of, you know, worked into their world and said, well, how do we make things work with you and their department, not just ignoring their department? Right. So, all that's, uh, that's the same plays you're going to get with a low budget film. So, it's a lot of interpersonal skills. So, I think that timeless, and if you don't have something, there may be somebody. One time we were in a, Scouting in Austin and um, was in uh, Round Rock, Texas. I think it's just northeast of Austin. And we're looking at this cafe, et cetera, et cetera. Well, we'll go to talk to the guy who's the owner, been there an owner 50, 60 years or something, cooks a a barbecue. And he is in his office. He opens the door, but doesn't really want to let us in. I mean, literally, kind of like holding the door. And, um, we're just talking to him outside in the hall, and I look in the back behind him, and on that wall are some like decorations from a soldier and some World War Two memorabilia like um, uh, a, a bayonet from uh, M1 grand, you know, things along this line. Sure. And I asked the guy, I go, hey, were you in the service World War Two? Is that the, you know, you know, Third Armored Division? My uncle was in that and you know, he goes, yeah, oh, darn right. And um, and so we started talking, and, of course, you know, the door opens a little more, and the producer's like, get in there, Michael. <laughs> but you find commonalities. Right. That allow you to have a good communication with people.
1: So, I know. Fucking Joe.
0: Now, wait a minute. In my defense, <laughs> Michael and I spoke prior, and he, he wanted to be aware of questions and everything, or comments. So I figured I'd True. break in true and i've been you doing joe on that one you gotta blame
5: michael there
0: i been trying to go <laughs> so you want to reiterate that no okay yeah let's just
5: nope that's true you gotta blame michael not joe because i said hey if they got questions let's build the audience and their enthusiasm Cameron. so uh, that's me
1: oh well, michael you understand this as, as better than anybody because of the film experience even if it's not his fault it's his fucking fault
5: <laughs> well that's true i didn't know we were going to cover that ground but that's
3: true <laughs>
0: All right, on that note, now let me continue what I was doing because you know, George made me uh, Mick is in the house, by the way. Hi,
1: hey, Mick. No, hey, Mick. Actually, I did see one comment. Ron said that's why I just kiss everybody's ass or something. There it is, there's Ron's comment yeah. right there. You know what? I gotta tell you that actually, that comment kind of bothered me a little bit, Ron, because. That's not, you know, if you think back to some of the stuff Michael was saying, he's talking about leadership and enthusiasm. That's not kissing everybody's ass. You're, you're not there to kiss everybody's ass. You're there to, to lead everybody and collaborate them around your vision as a filmmaker. Um, you know, kissing everybody's ass is a good way to lose control uh, the larger your crews get as well. Uh, do you agree or disagree with that, Michael?
5: Uh, I would agree with what you're saying. I think um uh What you want to do is be considerate to people and understand, um, yet firm. And I think there's various ways to do that go, we're going to do this, not that. We're going to move in this direction, not in this direction. And um, indeed, no, I would say that's right. Uh, Ron, you could always say, Ron is right in that, unless you listen to somebody and hear what they have to say. But then you have to be firm enough to go, well, thanks very much for your idea. um, But we're not going to go in that direction. Thanks. But keep thinking. Thank you. Because yep. you don't know when that one's going to hit. Um, and sometimes some of the, the people that have had uh, good ideas to use have been production assistants. In which case I say, well, the art director, the DP, or the Key Grips worked on 150, 200 movies. So you might be, to a PA, I'd say, you might be, might be better if you're remembered for five good ideas than five good ideas and 95 bad ones. So certainly temper your suggestions to some degree, um, so they're uh, you're roundly
0: appreciated. So, well said. Yeah. I really,
1: um, <laughs> well said, I, I, <laughs> Damon. I there are a lot of directors out there with egos that don't want to humble themselves and listen. There, there are plenty of those, and yes, I personally have seen some of them. Well, I've seen one of them get dragged behind a dumpster and and beaten up by certain members of the crew.
0: I love that story. I really do. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, there's certainly a,
5: more than a few that deserve that. And I think that's a, a true observation there. I yeah. think, um, I think there's been, you know, I, I, I worked recently with a couple directors that were very big in the nineties, um, over the last few years. And, and what was interesting, um, uh, there's a story about Cecil B. DeMille, who was a huge director from the late twenties to fifties. Ten Commandments in the fifties, etc. And from what I understand, there was a guy hired to carry his chair. Now, if DeMille was walking around the set and decided to sit down, that guy was supposed to walk behind him, holding the chair, so when he sat without looking, it would be there.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: Okay. And so he's the quintessential director with like riding boots, those kind of uh, those, uh, pants wide at the legs. I mean, you know, he's kind of a, a the epitome of the twenties and thirties dictatorial director. Well,
1: he is, he is the caricature of it, basically. Yeah,
5: yeah, yeah. absolutely. And some of the directors that uh, that were big in the nineties, um, and especially if you're not productive. You know, it's like Michael Bay is not known to be a particularly nice person, but he keeps making money. Right now, as soon as that goes down, uh, and there's a problem with that, a um, uh, number of people I know that have worked for him—that's—that's that's that. Yep. So you can you can do that, but uh, I've seen it time and again. You don't get enthusiasm. You can get paycheck. You can get my time, but if someone looks over and goes, "Hey, the grip truck's on fire," not my job. Whatever. <laughs> uh, there's a cable. There's a problem. Uh, you know, the actress is on drugs. I saw her do snort something. Right. Not my problem. So, how do you uh, develop a team? That's what I would say is the critical thing directors sometimes can miss on that.
1: Well, and that's interesting because a lot of the things that the a lot of the uh, budgets and projects that uh, people who may be watching the Indie Brigade uh, are out there trying to make or get off the ground, they're not films with budgets. They're not films where they can call up and say, um, I'm gonna get a great insurance policy, or I'm going to be able to pay union rates. Uh, I'm, you know, or even be able to pay half their crew or yeah. any of their crew, you know. And so I think that this is sort of the foundation. This is like the basement foundation of filmmaking with a screenwriting and filmmaking with a calculator. Yeah. Because so many people start out like we all did with nothing and no no money and no no nothing literally no idea how to do what you're setting out trying to do no way to pay for anything barely any of the gear that you need uh Mm -hmm. you're lucky to have a camera you might be lighting things with a flashlight um (laughs) jp hold up we have to have a budget (laughs) (laughs) you don't have to have a budget to get started but you're eventually just like every filmmaker going to get to a point where you're going to say god if i only had five thousand dollars
5: and you know jp makes an interesting point because one way or the other i think you have to feed people and that's only you know let's say if you work 10 hours you're going to get them something to eat okay so there's your start of your budget no matter what you might not think it uh, of such consequence uh but let, let, let's paint an interesting and you tell me if i'm digressing in the different direction of where we're no I,
1: I can tell you're going exactly where we're trying to go here we're, we're doing okay. great tonight we're laser focused. <laughs> <laughs> We can't blame Joe yet. <laughs> well, we can. Anything? Go, did you get a flat tire today? That's fucking Joe's fault.
5: <laughs> Joe's fault. Happened <laughs> again.
1: Mix it, prep, prep, prep.
5: No, he's right. In fact, I was going to say I actually did this film. Um, uh, I think it was in kind of the '90s or some early '90s or something like that. But we shot on film, 35 millimeter film. Shot the film. Shot uh, fifteen days for sixty-eight thousand dollars. Now that was in the can, but wasn't a p- through post. But the reason is, is because we had like, uh, as Mick just said, there, like eight nine months of prep. Now we literally got a location uh, in Venice, California. Uh, before it became the poser-esque capital of the world, there, but the uh, <laughs> they, we got a location of a restaurant for a dollar because we had the insurance and we they liked us. We kept coming back and going, you know, we're doing, we're respectful. We just need the restaurant and here's what we're doing. We met the owners. We established a relationship and literally $1 to cover insurance. Um, and uh, we were able to do that and letting people know ahead of time uh, what's their schedule and that they wanted to vault from, let's say, a guy who did documentaries to shooting a feature. That was the DP's motivation. And then we wound up paying everybody, I think it was $250 a week for like five days. But then people go, hey, well, at least I'm making some money. And we set the location at one location at a house for approximately, um, I think it was a week and a half, 10 days. So then when we were on the move for these other locations, it was very limited. Um, And people knew what was expected. And we also didn't... I would highly recommend not shooting 16 hours a day. You're going to just kill people. You're going to lose people. Right. I would say go in the opposite direction instead of shooting even 12 hours. Try and see if you can have your act together to shoot 10. Um, one, there's a, an important reason. People show up having had breakfast. After six hours, you feed them. Shoot for about four hours or five. And then at the end of that, you let them go before you have to feed them again. That's right. So there's another budget issue on top of it. But – from a practical matter, you're actually going to save some money there.
1: But this uh, is exactly what this is exactly the kind of stuff that you and I talk about for hours and hours and hours on end, and that I I don't know that a lot of people out there just getting started or or just starting to up their game uh, really have ever heard anybody talk the way you and I talk about this stuff, and I think that's what people are really enjoying. And you're right, you know, it's funny as hell to say to say it, but at the end of the day. Fuck. I want to try to finish up in an 8-hour day because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to have to pay any overtime or any penalties. Right. And right. I know if I shoot for an 8-hour day, I'm going to get done in 10 and I'm only going to have to feed people once. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right and it literally is those kind those kind of things are a great foundation to start your decision-making process about where you're going to spend your money.
5: And that's the kind of money that if you think about it, you have You buy people lunch, you don't buy them dinner because you've let them go and release them early. Okay, that's good because you are actually then buying with that dinner you'd have to pay another day's shooting lunch because you've taken that and put it to next week or whatever it is. So you'd have five days of lunches or, uh, or 10 days of lunches, but you would only have five days of lunches and dinners. That's right. So... And at that point, also, remember people have to drive home, then they need to rest, then they need to come back, um, and, you, you know, then then they actually have a good cycle to do the work. Because if you're going to have a DP who says, okay, I'm going to be the cameraman, you may not have a first uh, AC and a second AC, you might just have a first, you're certainly not going to have a loader. Um, And you might also have the DP working on the lights or somebody else is a gaffer grip trician kind of thing, working lights and helping you with that. So there's a lot of double duties people have to do. So they need the rest to accommodate that.
1: Yeah. And you've got your sound guy who's going to be your mixer and boom and And doing all of those things. And, you know, and, and those are, those are things that, you know, if you hire people with any experience, odds are they've been on shows where they haven't worn multiple hats. Yeah. you're asking them to come onto your film for uh, for less money than they're used to working for, doing more jobs, performing more duties, and wearing more hats. Uh, and one guy, Damon, said, um, I'll feed you once, I'm not feeding you twice. That's that's how you would love to think. But when you work on a union film, and you, I mean, when you go so many hours, you have to provide second meal, and you have to provide overtime, and you have to provide all these penalties. Otherwise, you're fucked.
5: No, you are screwed, and and in fact, from the union point of view, you actually, breakfast is a courtesy, because you can have people showing up to work, breakfast having had, so you would have had breakfast when you show up. Now, on a large, extensive union film, that's not going to gain any positive responses. Their expectation is there's breakfast, people eat, they settle in, then they get their work. Lunch? Yes, you have to feed them now. Technically, you could actually say to people, "Go get your own lunch and then come back." However, that might be a two-hour th- process, so you're going to lose people for two hours. Yeah, and and because they have to drive, they have to get something to eat, they got to take their time uh, to, you know, as appropriate, and then come back. Maybe um, have
1: a beer or two, and then come, mean, <laughs> maybe have a beer or two.
5: You know, there, uh, people. 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 People do that in in France. I I was working on a film in France and we're in Paris and I tell people, like, okay, we're going to break for lunch. I was the last one to break for lunch. I was at a restaurant down the street in uh, um, where was it? It was in um, Le Marais, I think, which is uh, northeast of, let's say, um, Notre Dame. And We're in this little place and I was the last one to break for lunch. It's a restaurant down the street. I went there, ate and then uh, they started serving wine at the table, <laughs> yeah. which is an, an American ocean nightmare. But um, that's what they did. Yeah. And I was the uh, first one to leave, I think, you know, from lunch to get back to work. I think just that mentality. Um, and the French said, well, the wine is important because this is how we lost the First World War, but is how we won the Second. Yeah. <laughs>
3: I said okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I saw a good cut. Sean Smithson came in, and his comment is in line with where, where we're going with this. You also have to pay for porta potties, parking, and security for their cars too. Um, you know, you do. But what Michael and I talk about a lot is if you if you know that you've got to pay for that stuff, and you've got to pay for porta potties, parking, and security, then ways to battle that before you ever have to deal with that that Michael uh, and I have talked about are, you know, you set up, set yourself up so you don't need those things.
5: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're shooting at your friend's uh, restaurant and it's closed on a Monday and you're, it's a day, um, you, there's a number of things you could do. Number one, if they're parking in that parking lot and people know it's closed and there's cars there, you might get a relatively inexpensive webcam, web cam, set it up, so look at the parking lot, put up some signs, things are you know, under video surveillance, okay? At least you've got some kind of thing for the cars. Uh, and then uh, ideally if you're shooting uh, you know, in a friend's place, they're not gonna charge you for parking. And then they usually have commercial restrooms. Um, so therefore you don't overtax the system because let's say the bar has more extras that you're showing up than you would have at your house if there's a scene there um but he's absolutely right if you are doing a full-fledged production on um taken three we shot it near cal state los angeles and uh you can look it up on google maps the parking lot just next to the freeways where we shot and i think i had 52 five or ten tons plus the trailers plus the lunch boxes plus uh 300 and I think 78 people on the crew. Jesus. Um, so it was extensive, <laughs> and, <laughs> to say the least. Um, and uh, we basically took over the 710 freeway for two and a half miles or whatever it was. So we had problems. I blame Joe. Um <laughs> even though I didn't know him then, but I'm blaming him.
1: Yeah, it's, it's retroactively at <laughs> fault. pops up, that means there's some fucking important thing. I don't know.
0: Well, it's not as important. One of the things he said on the last show, which was really impressive and people starting the film or getting into the film career, get in your head. Um, it was pertaining to, you know, if you're going to, Film something, don't have great expectations like uh I have a brain fart right now. Cruise ship is what you said. Don't plan on filming on a cruise ship yeah. <laughs> if you can't friggin' afford it.
5: Yeah, that's absolutely correct. I mean, the the Cameron and I were dealing with this today, which is like how many stories do people have in them? And it's it's actually what's interesting is the thread of the story. That I think people are enthused about. And I could probably give you the context. And Cameron and I will talk about, you know, our, 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 our fathers or our kids, you know, well, you know, whatever it is. So you've got a common thread there. And if you find that thread in a story, you start to wrap the locations around it. You haven't diluted the theme. In point of fact, I think people. Uh, uh, that like story will go towards theme and tone quickly. Now, the mechanism when you have theme and tone, people tend to go towards, oh, okay, so how are you going to illuminate the theme of um, uh, reconciliation uh, or, or whatever it is? But if that's the case, um, you know, my father and I have differ- had differences of uh, growing up in terms of he was very much into sports. I wasn't. I was in I was in the film and media, you know, but somewhere uh, he was into history and uh, we would watch World War II movies together, old classic movies, I should say. So we found, you know, there was a point there where that's how we enjoyed our time with each other. But now if you take that and you say, well, what's the setting? What do I have available and how am I illuminating this theme, this idea, which is really where everything starts? By what's available and the beauty of it, um, as Joe is pointing out there, you don't have a cruise ship. Don't write it in. But if you have your uncle's restaurant closed on Monday, the good news is you can go shoot something and then you can go back there in three weeks. If he doesn't paint the place and then shoot pickup shots willingly with the actors, because the actors will say, oh, this is going to make me better.
1: Great. Yeah. Just tell them that you, you forgot their close ups.
5: There, you've got the close-up. You, <laughs> I need, I need a, a part of you just scratching, you know, the bar with your fingers nervously or something, and yeah, and uh, they they will willingly do that to make your project better, I'd think, or you know, if they're available.
1: That's right, because whatever they do to make your project better, you know, helps them as well. Yeah, Mick, Mick Strong, uh, Mick Strong brought up a great point. How rare is it? The story is written with budget in mind, Mick. That's exactly what. Michael and I talk about is that more people need to do that, especially young filmmakers who are starting out with big ideas and no money. Um, yeah. You know, how to take those big ideas and and what Michael is saying right now is to basically take those big ideas and put them within the confines of what you readily have available within your life so that you don't have to go out and require all this other shit.
5: Well, you know, I I, I think Mick acts a good <laughs> question. And I think how did he put it? He put it like, how did um, how often is it that a story is written with a budget in mind? I think is that the way he put it. <laughs> that is what he said. Okay. So, how rare is it? Yeah. How rare is it? I would. Well, I think there's variations on that theme to some degree, where somebody where is it the story is written with a budget <laughs> in mind? Um, I would say probably probably you know at least 70 or 80 percent of the indie market is written with a certain number for sales in mind therefore the budget (laughs) if that makes sense mick because people are going to say if i have um such and such actor i think i can do these sales and once i get these sales discount them use an incentive and i have to make it for this price the conundrum lies in when you might overinflate certain aspects of the budget to where now you can't do it and that means like if you're writing a script and on uh, a 5 million dollar movie maybe the writer makes 60 80 100 thousand dollars 120 something like that um 125 150 i mean it depends on what it is the heritage of the piece etc but by and large you're not going to make 500 or 6 hundred thousand dollars so if you're over doing it uh, in the budget you know you're gonna just blow it out of the water and that's that's not gonna work at all so now I would tend to say a lot of other independent films and there's one I just read about by a guy named Hal Hartley who's an indie filmmaker I think I've seen a one or two of his movies Um, uh, it's been a while but he even said, I think he's just going to raise 300 grand to make his movie. And I think tomorrow's the last day, he needs another $92,000. And so here's a guy that's, uh, I think, made four or five, six movies at least over the last 25 years, or maybe he's made 10. But the point is, is that he's finding it difficult to raise money for his indie films. He has to make it for a price. So, and in point of fact, Unless you're Game of Thrones or um, a number of other things. Um, I think a lot of people just won't um, uh, not address money issues. Game of Thrones was, what, $12 million? Some, some of the episodes, 8 to $12 million. But I read about a TV show. What's that? Which is nuts for a show. I think it's insane, but... <laughs> uh, I'm like 12 million dollars I mean Some some of it Looked pretty amazing I have to say But yeah. I didn't watch all of it I think I got up to uh, Season 3 or something But um, I think a, One thing What have we got here We've A lot of stuff From simulating A window in a room With dead, three branches In front of the light There you go A nice little Kukuluras Kind of thing there Yeah Turned On the wall Send you not any Expensive things Made my own blood For Sid film That's better than Drawing your own blood There Aaron But that's
1: good Yeah, that's that's the kind of problem solving out of the box. That when you're there on the day and somebody something's missing, and somebody says, "Man, we need a fucking tree and a window." That's it. Good job, Aaron. Yeah, Yeah. it's problem solving.
5: And in point of fact, sometimes I I was sitting there and I made a. um, As I said earlier, I'm a World War II junkie, so I'm like uh, I went up to uh, San Francisco, and I uh, submarine there um, in the bay. And I took like 5,000 photos I'd gotten permission from them to just be on that sub for like a day and a half. And I just took all these photos. And so what I did is I made a green screen table. And what I did is I laid it down, got the angle just the way it was in the photo, put a map over it with you know some other, like a hat, et cetera, et cetera, and took a picture, uh, I mean, shot some video of a little mini scene to do a test where now it looks like him in the you know c- control center uh, just below the conning tower, and so there you have the possibility of saying, "Wow, look at all the, this uh, enhanced um, uh, production value I've got," and it was a green screen table and uh, a lot of photos I grabbed.
1: But see, that's an interesting point that you bring up, and that's something else that I think it needs to be kind of like uh, you know pounded into the the minds of of young folks. I mean, we all carry around. 4k cameras, uh, pockets nowadays. Um, you know, and that sounds like it was an, it was a, uh, inspiration of opportunity would maybe be the best, uh, term for it. So you saw an opportunity, you took some pictures, you took some footage and you either had an idea right then, or you, you at least had the foresight to think I'm going to do this because I don't know when I'm going to get this chance again. And I might be able to use this shit later.
5: Well, you know, I think that there is that uh, to some degree. I mean, if you get a beauty shot and you you find uh, a bench in front of a beautiful sunset and you capture that, all of a sudden you have a chance to put a scene there. Um, I, th- I think, indeed, it's almost like we each accumulate our our own stock video and our own stock footage to use. Now we own it. That's not a bad place to go at all. Um, in um, the case of this particular sub, I um, I wanted to go up there and see because I was looking at um, uh, Adobe After Effects using uh, Element 3D and some other things that I could actually build a scene within that context. Um, And more and more, if you look at uh, Lion King and technology they're using, I mean, these are virtual stages uh, which have been around for about 10 years. I saw one at Universal. I went down to Orange County. They had one, and there was one other one. I can't remember. There were only three at one point. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty stunning to see what you can do that came from James Cameron onward uh, to do this kind of work. And Lion King is, you know, what is it, $200 million or $250 million? I'm not sure what it was. But it's going to be, instead of going to Chenonceau in France in the Chateau, And going there, you can actually go get photos (coughs) and take precise measurements and start to actually lay things out to go, hey, here's the location that we're in, which is a lot cheaper to go someplace and do that, stitching these together in a virtual environment um, and being able to shoot that way uh, than anything else. And um, I think that's where a lot of things are going to go, and I think you get a lot of opportunity to enrich your film uh, by doing that. By using this technology, if you know it. And if you don't know it,
1: just blame Joe.
0: That's Joe's problem. He should have taught us.
1: <laughs> Unmute your mic there, Joe.
0: Yeah, you're right. I know. but <laughs> I was muting my mic when you were coughing. So.
4: <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I,
0: might,
1: I don't know. I might be dying.
0: And I don't know if I muted your mic when you were coughing and didn't turn it off. But <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Really interesting question from uh, Scotty Busey, who we had on our show. Um, His band was on our show. We want to shoot a second music video, but unlike our first music video, Killing Time, we don't have the help like we did for that. We have no budget, so do you think the idea of shooting on an iPhone is ridiculous?
1: Not at all. Absolutely not. uh,
5: You know, what I would do is tend to, like, I would tend to think, uh, and I don't know the song, obviously, or the, the context of the uh, the theme or the tone of the material, uh, intended material of the song, but is there a way to take and have somebody sitting and having to look on their iPhone, kill time, as it were? I mean, that's part of the thing I just saw there. So they're killing time, sitting on this thing while waiting for a ride, and then they somehow go into the phone. And is the can the phone be some part thematically of what you're shooting? Or do they shoot something because they're bored and that starts to capture the video? I mean, there's a lot of questions there about how you work the mechanics, but I would try and make using the phone part of the um, creative invention of the music video. I'm sure Cameron well, what
0: they're that. actually saying is their their first video was Killing Time and it was produced by a, a major company. Oh, and I see. Okay. Now they're asking they don't have that budget anymore. So using an iPhone, is it ridiculous to try to do that not to at all. do their second video?
1: No, nope. not at all. It's not. And but Fact. Michael makes a very good point though and I I want to bridge the question with Michael's point that he was making really quickly. And I think you'll agree with me, Michael, what you're talking about is motivating it and, and just putting it right in the face. So in other words, for any shortcomings that you may have with shooting on an iPhone, like you can't change lenses or your, you know, your lighting isn't whatever, or whatever the fucking reason that you, that, that you're worried about how it looks on your iPhone. You just put that right in the face of the viewer and motivate the fact that the thing is being shot on an iPhone by showing the fucking phone.
5: Absolutely, and, and you know, right now, I mean, and to give them an idea, I was actually looking to shoot a feature film in Paris on my iPhone, and I got a um, a, uh, a mic that I uh, put into the iPhone, I got um, like a shotgun mic, yeah. uh, and. Um, and I got a, uh, where is it here? I just want to show you this. I have a tool called
1: uh, Filmic Pro. Have you used that? Yeah, I actually love Filmic Pro. Yeah. I just, yeah. Got, I just got Premiere for the phone too. Yes. Yeah.
5: And so you have some remarkable tools on a phone, and it's actually so astounding, so I wouldn't think so at all. Um, I mean, I think you should be able to edit, uh, uh, you know, on Adobe Premiere or whatever. I mean, I think the... Wider, The bigger the monitor, not editing on your iPhone, if you can avoid it, just so it'll give you a better sense of composition or if you need to tweak things. But I absolutely think you could do that. And I think Steven Soderbergh actually has shot at least one, if not two films on his iPhone. Um, oh,
1: man, he's like the king of all this breakthrough shit. Remember K Street when he did yeah. K Street for HBO? And he, yeah. would, uh, he was doing another show at the time, and he would like fly between the two shows, and he would write K Street on the flight. You read the newspaper, write, write the episode, uh, edit it, put it through for approvals and shoot everything, and then uh, and then cut the cut the episode. It was all he did every episode of K Street was done in one week. Yeah, based on a headline. Yeah. You know I, mean, I mean
5: this is the kind of guerrilla thinking that I think is um, essential because what you also are trying to do, and, and you, you think about it, if you actually had to shoot on film, you might shoot a film every two years or three or five or 10 or whatever it is. But you have the ability now to gain all this enormous amounts of experience and um, to get better and better at your craft. It's like I was, uh, it's it's by far better to keep working and shooting like you doing your woodwork where you're building the shelves and everything else. And and you have to practice that. That's a a heavily acquired skill and it's really no different Uh, in, in the craft and all of a sudden you will do something in there. Somebody just said anamorphic lenses for iPhones. And that's absolutely true. And, um, there's Ron saying that. So he's absolutely right. And I even have, I had this, uh, thing here where I'm not sure if it works without the phone here, but it basically allows you to dial in, let's see, dial in here and you actually can pull out this particular lens here this is a lens and i have another one here somewhere okay is this it uh but that allows you to actually here it is this goes on my phone let's see hold it back there there we go okay and it allows you to bring out a lens and it's called a revolver because you can actually have three different kinds of lenses and it just goes on the back of my phone and you could just turn it uh as you use the phone so it'll fit right here on my phone I'll go back a little so you can see it actually a sure, better. Yeah. Okay, i'm all screwed up here, but it basically fits <laughs> Right here yeah. So it, it goes over the phone And all of a sudden you have access to a polarizer um, uh, There's the polarizer a wide angle and a fisheye And it just fits right on the back and that's something that i've used uh considerably and um, I certainly couldn't have gotten some buildings in, um, if I, I went to Paris and I was going to shoot and if you don't have this, you're not going to capture the building. You're going to get the front door. I mean, right. it's so close in,
4: right. but
5: you know, here and it just pops right off. I kind of like the metal one here because I can bang it around a bit more, but this just fits right on and comes right off. What? So these are
0: kind of, and I've got some other stuff over here and somewhere. Um, I got to get one of those who it makes really those? Well, wait a second. We got questions, Michael, before you go on and on and on.
3: You just showed a gadget (laughs) to a bunch of (laughs) them. That's
0: That's awesome. Please (laughs) share a link to the lens. And also, we got
1: Mick saying, how are those lenses? Well, Well, and Mick also said, we walk around with a camera with a $350,000 Panavision from 1984 in our pockets, and he's dead right.
5: Yeah, yeah. I mean... Uh, it's stunning the resolution. The, uh, the quality is uh, good. I mean, if you like the film I was going to shoot in Paris, Joe, had to do with like a little bit of an espionage and a, um, uh, a reporter. So the idea was that now I've taken the tone and the theme and kind of can use the format uh, to be complementary to it. So if it's handheld, a bit gritty, a little off, you know, you can almost, you know, move the camera around to where, okay, where is he? Where's the subject? I mean, you can get that kind of a feel to it. So it would have been highly complimentary to the look. And even if you look right now, a friend of mine was an executive producer on Delhi Crime, uh, which is on Netflix, a very, very good show. I really enjoyed it in a burgeoning market of India. And he said they never, and look it up on Netflix. Uh, he goes, uh, I was working with him on a film this summer in Atlanta and he goes, we never had a tripod, no sticks at all on that entire show. And we had no lights other than Kina Now, so if you're looking at Kina you know, I got this thing here, sorry, I'm stepping off here. I got, oh, I think it's in the garage, but I mean, you know, I've just got all this equipment lying around here. This would be like camera in heaven, you know? It'd be like, you know, even light, you know? I have a
1: couple of those. I fucking love them.
5: These are great. These are great and rechargeable. And then I got a light wand, which actually has a really cool feature on it. And that feature has to do with um, you could program it and change the color to red. And guess what? It's a police bar. Right. And it's this $90 wand, and it'll light up, and there you go. But you actually can program it, and it'll just blink. And if you put it behind you on top of your car, you got a police car, and you go get a shot and then move on.
1: Can you put him full screen so people can see that, Joe? Oh, or I absolutely can. I'm sorry. You, you and him? No, go so yeah, we'll grab uh, something real quick. I'll be right back. So, just right. talk about that. Like, talk about the fact that, like, the shit that we can do with this stuff is fucking crazy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Michael, go ahead. I mean, what you can do with that alone.
5: Oh, and, and I mean, you know, here, I've got not only that, the nice part about this light is you have the dimmer and you have the color temperature. So I could brighten it up, and you can see it's going to blow it out pretty good here. And at the same time, I could change the color temperature. So from, you know, I want it nice and warm because it's that kind of a feel, and I can dial it right in. So that, you know, and if I even put a little... Uh, material in front of it, or a, uh, some tin foil strips, all of a sudden what I could do um, is uh, uh, create a fireplace look, uh, to some degree. Um, I mean, this is the kind of variables that, that the strange part is, if we are in the 80s, and I remember a friend of mine and I were working on a, on a, on a film, and he had an Airy 2C, which is a pretty noisy camera. Um, certainly it wasn't a Panavision by any stretch. But I remember he, he did the short film, and people really liked the short film. They never asked what kind of camera you were using. That's irrelevant, right? The story is what matters. And I've certainly seen some big-budget movies these days that I go, I don't even care about the story. Uh, I mean, I, I don't care about the movie. I don't care about the story. It doesn't mean anything to me. And then I've seen some stuff that's been um, much more moderate. Uh, in terms of the cost and everything else. And I really like the story. So, you know, and and we've seen that with VidCon. um, The video conference here in Anaheim comes up in June, which I advocate everybody to go to if you can, possibly. It's just uh, extraordinary, one of the best conferences. And um, so it's not the technology. It's the story and the style that's going to. Well, act. you have a
0: bunch of people that said that they use those lights. Um, Sean yeah. is saying, "Love those lights," and he uses them. Uh, Mick said he used them on *Vengeance*. Which is when JP said, "I have one of those as well. It'll follow you when shooting a scene by yourself. It's really cool." And and. Michael, that's a beautiful idea. I know some musicians who use those for background lighting when others go out. There you go. Yeah. And, and, uh, uh, I mean, this is the
5: kind of versatility where you could basically take the lighting kit. And I even have, uh, you know, for sound, I use labs and I have, um, uh, a couple of labs and a sound recorder. Yeah. But it can be a one man band. And, um, and all of a sudden, you could basically put whatever you're going to film um, in your suitcase almost.
1: I got one of these. Have you seen these, Michael? This little Osmo Pocket guy right here. It's got a three axis gimbal on it and it's got oh, wow. an track. Uh, Terry Gerald, actually from the Drone Cav, uh, has helped me kind of figure out some of the problems that I had with this. Apparently, there was a firmware upgrade for it um, and he got me kind of squared away with this thing. And this thing is phenomenal. It has what's called—you can turn the camera forward or backwards—and uh, it has what's called uh, active track on it. So, uh, for instance, if you—if I want to shoot you and you're going to be doing—you're going to be crossing the room and grabbing a hammer off the wall. I can frame you, and select it, uh, sort of highlight you, and tell it to track you. And this gimbal will automatically track you in the smoothest camera motion you've ever seen. That literally yeah. looks like I'm on a fucking dolly.
5: I haven't seen them that small. I've seen some about like auto tracking, but
1: yeah. And this will track you across the room through your, you don't leave Ooh. as long as you don't leave the frame. And what's the name of that? It's the Osmo pocket by oh. DJI. And they make a lot of drones and stuff. Um, I've but got I think, a couple of their drones. I mean, this thing is like, look how small this is here. It is next to this microphone. Like, look how small this thing is. And it fits right in your pocket. This thing I think costs 300 bucks, $350. But it shoots 4K. It shoots slow motion. It shoots. I mean, it shoots low light. It shoots everything. And I mean, just you can even just see how smooth the the movement on this gimbal is. It's phenomenal. It hooks right up to your phone. Uh, and and these are these are my new little obsession now that Terry's got me squared away with trying to figure out how to use the fucking thing. I think that's fantastic. I got to check into. I mean, the question
5: is. I'm going to write it down right now. But the question is, is you certainly have so many options for this kind of gear. And what what I think find very fascinating is, uh, oh, I know one thing I was going to tell you. Because when you look at the initial start of the film industry, you had image. And right. I always remember, I mean, that was key, imagery. And I always remember when I read that they did this um, short 10-minute film, whatever it was, in 19... 19- 05, 1910, whatever it was, of a train coming towards the camera. Uh-huh. And they showed it, and the people dove into the aisles because they thought the, the train was actually kind of coming through the image you're going to hit them.
1: Yeah, it was and sorcery. They,
5: yeah, sorcery. <laughs> it was, it was, it was, it was, psychologically, it was so stunning to them about the realism of it. And then what you had, and when sound came in, people said, great, we got sound. So you notice how films got much more Talking dinner at eight was a big one mm-hmm. a number of these other films got very talky and then they had to go back to image which i think to a, some extent would be um like the films of uh michael curtis and alfred hitchcock sure <laughs> because they actually had to rely on uh imagery um so when you're actually doing a practiced imagery you also get a film that one way or the other somebody in what uh, some other part of the world understands uh, the Hitchcockian analogy of if you want to create stress and you know, you're in the uh, uh, studio, you and I are in the same studio talking, you know, across from each other table and somebody come, Joe comes in and plants a bomb cause he's tired of us bitching and moaning at him. So Fuck he Joe. plants. what's that? Fuck Joe. <laughs> I'm giving him ideas now. <laughs> but, <laughs> but if, if he
1: <laughs> I don't think that's the first time Joe's had the had that idea.
5: Apparently not. He's probably like, you know, on Amazon now looking for timers. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to, you know, yeah, deliver tomorrow. Prime. I've got prime. Uh but if you take that the, the, the bomb and put it on the desk between us and talking and the audience knows it's suspense. If it just blows up it's a thriller but the suspense really you know uh, Michael I got one more question for you no don't answer the question the audience says you know get out of there and <laughs> and, and and what is ultimately the uh, the the manipulations of the filmmaker to evoke emotions right and visuals visuals to do so
1: right to do that using the visuals you know no. when I was when I was young and, and studying this stuff, um, uh, a guy who taught me some stuff when I was very young, uh, my dad told me to watch a bunch of movies with no audio. Yep. Yeah, and, and, uh, if the story still can conv- still translates to you, then the, the filmmaker has done their job as a filmmaker. Yeah. Wise uh, words indeed. You know, and I would watch movies like 2001 um you know i would watch the godfather movies i watched my father's movies with no audio just to watch the visuals and see if it carried me through the same story and you know um it's interesting it's really an interesting exercise if nobody's ever done that yeah to to, to actually do that because we, it is a visual medium the sound is there and is and has we now live in a world where sound is 50% of your movie if not you know yeah i guess, I guess visuals are 100% of your movie and sound is now 100% of your movie so you need two hundred percent to to actually sell it. Mega percent now. What? Huh? Fucking Joe. Me? What? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I think this is kind of universal for. Oh well, hell, you can't see it. <laughs> Wrap it up. What are you, what are you... <laughs> We're at our limit. What are you do? What are you doing, Joe? I was Well, wrong. I was doing one of these things, oh, but... Um, I was lovely. like <laughs> I was right.
5: You were wrong there, Cameron, yeah. but... Uh,
0: it didn't looked like yeah.
1: that. Thank you,
0: the- Sean. <laughs> Poor Joe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Michael. Well, once well again, I think I'm going to bring everybody up right now because we still have people here, and it was great having everyone on, but Michael in particular, do, do you have, uh, well, go ahead. George, say what you're going to say. I'm going to uh, give Michael full screen.
1: What uh, did? I, how do you know what I was going to say?
0: Well, you're going to say <laughs> on social media. Or where can we follow you? Where can we watch? Well, yeah, um,
1: I was going to say, Michael, it looks like we've uh, spun off on a tangent again. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you don't mind coming back as a regular. Absolutely, <laughs> a
3: regular no, no, no. I really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. the show, I love doing this with you, and I think other people are enjoying it too. Absolutely, and, I enjoy uh, obviously.
5: Wagner Wiles there as well. And, yeah,
1: like you to meet everybody yeah. else here. We've got Lance and Sam from the Wagner Wiles. Oh, okay, There's first there. of all, Mick. Kev. Mick? Yes, Joe is jerking it.
0: Mick? Yes, thank you, Michael. Mick. I brought you on to here. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Don't make me regret it. So and Anyway, Michael, uh, social media pages or if people wanted to follow you. Oh, let's see. Um,
5: MichaelMandeville.com. Uh, that's where I put up some articles, etc. cetera. Um, under Instagram, you'll find me at Mickey Blue Eyes. So that's where I'm there. Um and I also answer a lot of questions on Quora. I kind of like that forum uh, and uh, LinkedIn. So those are the primary ones I do. Um, sometimes I'm doing some more videos, but uh, I kind of like that written forum. Um, but those are the places you'll find me. Uh, and I wanna be there at the uh, Indie Brigade uh, Mentorship Program too. I know uh, that's something Cameron and I spoke about. So yes. I'm yes, just awesome. very excited. Very that good. Job? Did I get the good plug in there?
0: Well, I think you did. I uh, <laughs> Well, you wait, wait, I'm sorry. You forgot one thing. And if you don't Has- plug Has it, I'm going to be. Go. There you go. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Michael, it was great having <laughs> you on again. We look forward forward to having you on in the future. I'm going to bow you out right now. That was awesome. And so, um, the other flagships? How do you want to put that, George? Of the you haven't
1: landed on a term yet there, pal. Mm. Okay. I'm we're waiting. Gonna it, we're going to call this the Pillars of the Indie Brigade at this point. How about that? Alright. You guys like that? You guys want to yeah, be fucking Pillars? Fuck yeah, we're Pillars <laughs> of the Indie Brigade. Fuck yeah.
0: Just let me know when you're making more than I am so I can bow down to you
1: and uh, we can talk. Joe, you're the foundation.
4: Oh, man.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, hell.
1: Yeah, see, now I I'm at a loss, so. <laughs> yeah. That's Wait a minute. Drink, sure. Joe. Yeah, there you go. While he's distracted, uh, everybody, <laughs> thanks for watching tonight. Terry, thank you. Lance, Sam, thank you for coming and joining. And thank um, you. Before we, we you.
0: do that, the Wagners, plug what you got. Anything?
1: The Indie Brigade, Romero
0: Pictures. Um, oh, no, that's for you,
1: Joe. Yeah, I know. There's no sound on Lance and Sam. Unmute your mic. Can you hear them. us? Yeah,
0: ah, there yeah. you go. Oh, See, that was go. in me. Testes, <laughs> testes, testes. Yes. Going to bring uh, you full screen. Well, nope, I took you off screen. Let's do full screen. We are
3: we are on the major platforms, uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook. Uh, we're also very much well engaged with the Romero pictures in your brigade. We're the pillars.
0: <laughs> I think you need another drink.
3: I'm a little tipsy.
0: <laughs> it's a beautiful thing, brother. All right. It is. Terry. I love y'all. Love you, Terry. Hey, we love you guys as well. All right. We're dipping them out. Terry. Sam, go,
4: man, that's hard to follow. Uh, well, of course, uh, Romero Pictures Indie Brigade, Drone Cav, uh, Facebook, uh, Terry Lee Gerald For some reason, I put my middle name in there, but hey, it's stuck. And uh, my website is blackdogdroneops.com. And if you have any drone questions, uh, anything uh, close to that, uh, feel free to reach out, uh, ping me, friend me on Facebook, whatever. I'm, I'm here. I'm accessible. And... Uh, That uh, brought up a good point about the Osmo pocket and that stuff. I'm going to do some stuff in the drone cab for that. So uh, it looked like there might be some interest and, hey, it's kind of a ground-based drone, so why not?
1: Absolutely, Terry. And thank you so much. And uh, we're also going to be adding Terry into the mentor uh, program as well when it comes to drone uh, technology and drone needs. If you need anything specialized from him, you will be able to book private uh, sessions with Terry.
0: All right. Thank you very much, Terry. We'll catch you next time. Sounds great.
4: Thrilled to be here.
1: Thanks. All righty, Joe. I think it was a pretty good episode. I think yeah, it was a pretty solid whatever. season premiere. Okay, let's try that again. Joe, I think that episode was all right. It was fucking awesome. Yes, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> See, this is why we are awesome together. Is there anything else you want to touch on besides uh, the fact that people are listening to the Romero Pictures Indie Brigade with your host George C. Romero and Joe? Yes, I, I
0: absolutely would. I am putting you front and center. Where can we be found?
1: Well, once again you're listening to the Romero Pictures Indie Brigade podcast with your host George C. Romero and Joe Ridgely. Uh there is one, there is only one Joe Ridgely, and he's ours. And you can find everything you need to know about the Indie Brigade and everything we've talked about tonight at RomeroPictures.com. We couldn't have made it any fucking easier for anybody just go to romeropictures.com. Links to everything you need to find are there. Uh, we made it as simple and easy to navigate as possible. Even Joe can find his way around the website now.
0: Wow, that that's um, that's some pressure, man. So yeah, will, will yeah, you please yeah. exit
1: us now? Well, are you on? Is there anything else you want me to talk about?
0: Well, well, I don't know. We're on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Radio Public, Breaker. YouTube, Facebook, um, no, nah, covered it all.
1: Boom, that's it. We're everywhere. Turn the fuck in, and until next time, everybody, please fuck off.